0: This podcast is a production of the Community Covenant Church in Eagle River, Alaska. A place where real people meet a real God to live in a real world. For more information, visit our website at www.communitycovenant.net.
1: Reading from Acts 1, verses 1 through 8. In my former book, Theophilus... He said to them, It is not for you to know the times or dates the Father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth.
0: Well, I have never audibly heard the voice of God. But if I did, or when I do, Ralph, I imagine it's going to sound something just like that. You are amazing. You are amazing. Wow. You know, uh, this is an aside. I've been here five weeks. No, I can do this, right? All right, we're all family. We ought to do, uh, you know, the Bible on a, on a CD and, and you ought to be the person that reads through the whole thing. I'll tell you, that's a bestseller. Gert, I know you're shaking your head. Uh, You know, I heard about the days of Gert's Corner. Back guy, yeah, so I know you had a little radio spot yourself. Anyway, we're so grateful for you and we celebrate the two of you and, uh, who you are as a part of this church and the legacy that you've passed to each of us, and we're going to be talking a little bit about that today, so I thought it was just appropriate to, to recognize the two of you. Thank you. Um, yeah, you bet. <laughs> wow. You know, I remember Lori and I were uh, junior high directors at a church, and it was probably our first or second week, and we were doing the very best we can with a very unruly group of junior hires. And this girl, she walked right up to Lori, got in Lori's face. I mean, it was like, like this. And she said, Do something! I'm bored! Ah. Well, I won't tell you what Lori told her to go and do. <laughs> Lori, in her tactful yet direct way, uh, gave some instruction to this young woman. But you know, I think about her, and I wonder where she is today and what she's doing today. Uh, I know she came from a, a good Christian family, and I know the roots of, of Christianity had been sowed in her heart, and, and, and I'm just uh, believing that she's walking with the Lord. But when I think about her, and I think about that experience and what she said, I think how in many, many ways, and many, many different expressions... Um, over the years in ministry, I've encountered people just like her. Men and women who are followers of Jesus, who in their life are, are, are doing the right things. They're going to Bible study and, and, uh, they're putting money in the offering plate. Uh, maybe, uh, they are letting the pastor know when he's doing a great job. All right. I mean, they're going through the perfunctory Kinds of activities that we associate with a, with a Christian life. And yet, there's something missing. Maybe they wouldn't say it this way, but they would say, you know, I'm a, I'm a little bit bored. Following Jesus is, it's gotta be more than just this. Right? Uh, maybe I'm talking to you this morning. Maybe that's where you are. And you're saying, what's missing? There's got to be more than just this. Uh, and there is. Uh, oftentimes, what's missing is a, a sense of mission in our life, uh, a sense of purpose in our life. Uh, pastor, and author... Rick Warren in his best-selling book called The The Purpose Driven Life in the very beginning makes it clear. He says you were created by God for God. In other words, for for his purpose. And he says until you understand that, nothing else in life makes sense. And what I found in in my years as a pastor, and in my years following Jesus, is that a bored Christian, a Christian who is going through the motions and doing the right things yet, yet senses a lack of fulfillment is often the Christian who lacks a sense of purpose in their life. They, they lack a sense of, of mission. Of, of being a part of of the great and grand narrative of Scripture, to see that we were born at a place in time in history, uh, in a location that wasn't an accident. That God knew since before the foundations of the earth who you were going to be and and where you were going to live and and He has a plan for you. And that when we realize that and. And we would open our, our ears to hear, our minds to receive, and, and our hearts that we might have courage and boldness to live not a, a boring life, but a dynamic life, a purposeful life, a life of mission. You know, that's, that's so often what's missing. Now I I can make that observation because I know there have been times in my life when I could be talking about myself. Uh, It's as if someone has given me a wonderful jar of peanut butter. Now disclaimer, if you're allergic to peanuts, don't do this at home. All right, but it's like eating this beautiful new jar of peanut butter, and you think of all the things you can do with it, all the ways you can enjoy it, and and really, right now, you're probably thinking about that, aren't you? You're thinking about the last peanut butter and jelly sandwich you had, or or what you did with peanut butter. And there's so many things that are good that you can do with peanut butter, and there's so many things in the Christian life that the Lord intends for us to do with it that are good, that are exciting, that aren't boring. And yet, in my life, and in sometimes perhaps yours, it's a little bit about like taking the peanut butter, and rather than doing something exciting, tasteful, dynamic with it, you spread it on a piece of cardboard. Like this. Alright? Oh, yeah. Isn't that delightful? (laughs) That looks so good. Wow. Oh, it's the right thing. But what am I doing? I'm engaging it in the wrong way. And sometimes we can approach our Christian life like it's peanut butter and cardboard. It might be good for me. Maybe there's some fiber in it. But it's really... boring. You see the look on my face? There is no reason in the world that a man or woman or young person or any follower of Jesus Christ should ever live life As a peanut butter and cardboard Christian, it's just plain boring. It's not what God intends. Excuse me. You want to spit it out, don't you? You bet. See the point? As we enter our new series called The Spirit of Adventure God on the Move. Then and now, what we're going to learn is that God has not called us to be peanut butter and cardboard Christians. He's not called us to walk through our life of faith like we're chewing on this. Okay, He's got something much more tasteful, much more beneficial... Much more exciting, much more adventurous, much more dynamic than you or I could ever imagine. We don't have to be peanut butter and cardboard Christians. We don't have to live a peanut butter and cardboard Christianity. As we think about mission, there's no better book to kind of, to, to jumpstart our, our, our sense of mission than the book of Acts. And what we're going to be doing in this series called the, the Spirit of Adventure, God on the Move Then and Now, is we're going to use the book of Acts, we're going to do a, a survey in it, I'm not going to do a verse by verse by verse, we might be here until Jesus comes back if I did that, but we're going to hit the major themes, we're going to look at some key passages as we go through the book and look at the different chapters, um, There'll be some exposition, there's going to be some topical teaching, it's going to be a combination of the both. Uh, There's going to be something, I think, for each of you, but the point is this. That in our study, you capture that spirit, the spirit of adventure. And that we as a church begin to, to reflect upon the grand narrative that's present in Scripture... Of the move of Jesus Christ into the world, that ultimately led to to your conversion and mine, and 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 to distill it down and, and to see that in the context of Alaska and in the context of Community Covenant Church, and to see that there's a grand narrative here that this church was founded not by peanut butter and cardboard Christians but by men and women who had a sense of mission and purpose who were about doing something exciting, dynamic joining God in His work in this state and, and here we are and there's a narrative that we're a part of that's a part of the greater grand narrative that we read in Scripture and so as we go through the book of Acts to, to recapture that sense of being a part of that grand narrative to capture a sense of of God on the move then, as we even start here in chapter 1. God on the move now. God on the move in community covenant then. And God on the move now. And in this, that we would come to a place where we would recognize Life with Christ is never boring. It's never dull. It's not peanut butter and cardboard. It's purposeful. It's eventful. It's meaningful. And you and I get to be a part of the message and the mission of Jesus Christ. That is exciting. That's not peanut butter and cardboard Christianity. So, open your Bibles up to Acts chapter 1. And let's take a look here. I want to give just a few comments. We know that Acts was written by Luke, uh, the, the good doctor Luke. And, and we know that because in Colossians 4, verse 14, the Apostle Paul, as he's writing to the church at Colossae, he makes mention of Luke and he calls him the doctor, the physician. So, so we know that Luke is a physician. We also know because he's a physician, he has a a mind towards details. Now, we're blessed in our church to have men and women who are physicians. And you know they go through a very rigorous study. And they're often very detail-oriented people. They have a mind towards detail. It's a good thing. And in in Luke's case, we see Luke as a doctor, but also as a historian of of the early church. He has a mind towards detail. And what we're going to find here is that this book, Acts, is a continuation of his gospel. And we read in the very beginning of Luke's gospel that he's he's writing specifically to a, a person named Theophilus, which translated means friend of God or loved by God. He refers to him as most excellent Theophilus, which means he might have been a person... Of position, And in his gospel, he is recounting the life and ministry of Jesus. And he gets to, to chapter 24 at the end of his book of the gospel. And he picks it right up here in chapter 1 of Acts. In fact, if you read the last section of chapter 24 of the gospel of Luke, and then you put it right next to... The first 14 verses of the book of Acts, you see it's a continuation and a review of what he's already said, what he's already taught Theophilus. And so in the Gospel of Luke, he's talking about all that Jesus did, all that he taught until his ascension. And in the book of Acts, he's teaching about the spirit of Christ and all that Christ did and accomplished after his ascension after His ascension, through in and through the life of believing men and women, the church. And some scholars say that it really should be called, not the Gospel of Luke or the the Book of Acts, but it should be called Luke-Acts. It's really just a continuous story. And you know what the good news is? It's your story. And it's my story, because we're a part of this, as we'll see here this morning. A little bit of the background. Written, they think, in uh, the early 60s, okay, the first century. Uh, the book of Acts takes us all the way up to uh, the Apostle Paul's uh, first imprisonment. And uh, so that would be about the right time. So he begins in verses 1 and 2. And he says, In my former book, Theophilus, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day he was taken up to heaven, after giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles he had chosen. And so what we see here is that he's recounting the events of Jesus' life, His ministry, His message, His selection of a group of followers, and what occurred and transpired in their life and in the life of Jesus in a given period of time. And it's, it's really a process that we see in which Jesus is accomplishing and directing people in mission. And right away we get a sense that, that mission isn't an event. Now, there are events that are a part of mission. In living missionally. But it's not an event. It's a process. And he gives a, a grand panoramic view of that process. And, and as we think about ourselves. And we think about are becoming a part of that narrative and are participating in mission we recognize that that you and I are very much in process and we're going to see that process in the life of Jesus in Luke and Acts and we're going to see that process taking place in the lives that, of the men and the women that he devoted himself to it's a process and we see that early on we see the Lord at work over time, but with great intentionality. And then in verse three, we see preparation. Part of that process is the preparation. Well, how did he prepare them? Verse three it says, after his suffering, he presented himself to them and gave many convincing proofs. Convincing proofs of what? His life. And in those forty days. His resurrection. Convincing proofs about the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And, and, and that is the central theme. That's, that's the heart of the Christian message, isn't it? The resurrection. And so it, it makes sense that he would prepare them in that. And each of them were witnesses to that resurrection. And early on that became a qualification for disciple an apostle that they they had been witnesses to because they were going to share and witness to what they had seen and experienced themselves and so here's the the convincing proofs that he was and he by the way is still alive do you know that do you know that that jesus is alive if he's not, let's close the doors, go home, there's a good football game on this morning. Really. There's other things we could do than be here. But we're here because you know, and I know, through many convincing proofs, that Jesus is alive. And the wonderful thing about our Christian faith is that we can present objective truth. It's just not based on a subjective experience. It's both and, not either or. And then we can stand on the historical fact of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. That's the anchor of our faith. And so in the preparation in verse 3, Jesus spends a lot of time in that. He goes on to say that he appeared to them over the period of 40 days, right, and spoke about the kingdom of God, a central theme in Jesus' teaching. And it also is through the Gospels, although it's not mentioned as often in the book of Acts. Yet, we see here, early on it's mentioned, and in the very last few verses of Acts, it's mentioned. So the book of Acts literally begins with the kingdom of God and ends with the kingdom of God Mention of that. Okay? It's important. The kingdom of God is the rule and reign of God. We think of the kingdom here, and as we read through Luke and Acts, we think of the kingdom that came with the events of Jesus' death, life, and resurrection. It's both present now and in the hearts and lives of those who are His followers, that acknowledge Him as their king, but it also is yet to be consummated, that we're going to experience it in its fullness when Jesus returns as judge and king. Kingdom of God. Important stuff. We'll be talking about that. We need to have a kingdom view, perspective as Christians. It's more than a gospel of personal salvation. It's a gospel of the kingdom. And inclusive in that is a call and mission to live a purposeful life in the kingdom. Okay? Then we get to the plan. Verses four through seven. Good stuff. Good stuff. In verse 4, he says, On one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command. Ah, a command. Okay? He's telling them, you do this. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my Father promised, which you have heard me speak about. Okay? Then verse 5 for John baptized with water but in a few days you will be baptized with the holy spirit. Now we're going to talk about the holy spirit here in the next several weeks and all through this survey of the book of Acts. Right? Because the spirit of adventure is the holy spirit, right? It's a spirit that's alive in you and me. But Jesus starts out not by saying, "I just go out now and just share" He gives them a very specific plan, a set of instructions. And when I think about that, I think about your life and my life as we yield to the Spirit of God, as we are responsive to the Spirit's prompting, that that there's a specific plan. That we don't necessarily do things in, in our own sense of timing or the way that we necessarily think it should be done, but that we're yielded, we're obedient, we're listening, and we are intentional about following God's plan. So important that we discern. And there are ways of doing that. We're going to see that here in the book of Acts. But it's all about His sense of timing. His plan. He knows what we need, when we need it, to accomplish the things that He's calling us to do. Isn't that a great thing? Isn't that great that He just doesn't throw you out in the world and say, all right, do your best. No, 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 no. He's so intentional. He's so intentional. And there are roadsides along the way to help guide us. And we see that even in the beginning here that that He was giving them a plan and it continues on here in verse 6. So when they met together, they asked Him, Lord, are You at this time going to restore the kingdom of Israel? Now, think about this. Think about the years that Jesus had spent with His disciples. All that He had taught them. All that they had seen. All that He had done. And they still don't quite get the big picture. But He's about to lay it on them again. And they're going to understand it. That God chose that group of people. That nation. That they might be a light and a witness to the nations of the world. Now, a first century Jew is thinking national Israel. Establishing the, the kingdom. Restoring us to the glory years of David. Right? We're gonna, we're gonna push away the oppressors of Rome and, and the foreign oppressors that have come and conquered us and oppressed us. And we're once again gonna be restored. And that's what they're looking for. They're they're thinking in terms of what's in it for us as Jews. They're not quite getting the big picture yet. But they're going to. But Jesus has a plan, doesn't He? God has a great plan. They're a part of the great narrative. And they're going to come to understand that. And they're going to have to work that out. That's part of the process. And, and, And you and I need to understand this that as we find ourselves in that narrative, that it's not about us. It's not just about us. We're included in the plan in the narrative, but it's about what's in it for God. What's His plan? And so he reminds them, he says, you know, as you read on here, it's not for you to know the times or the dates the Father has set by His own authority. Okay, and uh, we as Christians can spend a lot of time in eschatology about when is Jesus coming back, when's the day. I got the, I know the year, eh? and we've seen over the last several decades people who have professed to know that. And it's important to to know the the signs and. To be aware of the times that we live in. But no one knows the exact time. I know this. Christ has died. Christ has risen. And Christ is coming again. Do you know that? Can you say that? Christ has died. Say it. Christ has died. Christ has risen. Christ is coming again. That's great eschatology. Okay? Now, there's more to it than that. There's a whole realm of theological study. But the point here that Jesus is saying is, listen, there's a plan. It's God's plan. You're going to be a part of it. And it's not going to be what you think or maybe even in the timing that you think or anticipated. The same is true for us. And then we get into verses, verse 8. Verse 1 and 2 is process. Verse 3 is preparation. Verses 4 through 7 is a plan. In verse 8, we see power and purpose. Power and purpose. Ooh, that's so good. Are you excited about this? Can't tell, can you? (laughs) That's why we do what we do. And in verse 8, he says, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit... "...comes on you, and you will be my witnesses..." Purpose. Right? Power, the Holy Spirit. You're going to be empowered for a purpose. Your purpose is to be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea, and Samaria, and all the ends of the earth. Now you have to understand this. You're reading that through a 21st century mind. But do you understand what that sounded like to these people? To his disciples when he heard that? When they heard that? It would be like someone saying to you, Nancy Lohman. You're going to Mars. What? I'd just like to go to Mexico for a vacation. Right? I mean... You have to understand what that was. I mean, what in the world are you talking about? Talk about a spirit of adventure. I mean, it's like the picture we have here, the guy jumping out of the airplane. It's like they couldn't even have imagined what all that meant. I mean, that was crazy talk. And yet, here Jesus is giving this commission. It's By the way, why we're at it, did you know that all four gospels present facets of the great commission Matthew 28:18 through 20 Mark 16:15 John 20:21 20, all four gospels present facets of the great commission It's a wonderful thing so what we see here in verse 8 are the two main central themes of the whole book Number one the Holy Spirit the fullness of God's Spirit and power and witness is essential for Christian ministry. The Spirit regenerates us. It, it sanctifies us. It, 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 it changes and transforms our lives so that we can experience the reality of the risen Christ of whom we're going to witness. The Holy Spirit its a central theme of the book. Some people have said that the book should be called the Acts of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit's The spirit of adventure. But then the the second theme is that of, of witness. And, and here's the point. If this is Jesus' last command on earth, it should be our first concern. If it's Jesus' last command, it needs to be our first concern. It's something important that he's saying here. It's very intentional. And then secondly, in Acts 1.18, we see an outline for the whole book. We see the two central themes, the Holy Spirit and witness. And then we see an outline for the whole book. Are you ready? Jerusalem, chapters 1 through 7. Judea and Samaria, chapter 8, 1 through eleven eighteen; And the ends of the earth, chapter eleven nineteen to the end of the book. There you have it. And so in, in this one verse, we get an outline for what we're going to see in the whole book. And the two central themes. Well, there's so much more I want to share. So many things we're going to be talking about in the weeks to come. But Emil Brunner, Swiss theologian said this. A church exists by mission as a fire exists by burning. A church exists by mission. As a fire exists by burning. Oh, that there would be a burning desire in our heart and life to be a part of mission. And that's what fuels the church. But the church that lives for itself, the church where that fire is not present, where that burning isn't, isn't resident, it's a church that lives for itself will be a church that dies by itself. It may it never be of community covenant. Because we have the spirit of adventure. We're about mission. Here's a quote from missionary Henry Martin. I love this. The spirit of Christ is the spirit of missions. And the nearer we get to Him, the more intensely missionary we must become. You may never go to Africa like the Smiths. Or to Norway like the Haggis. You may never go to the bush. But I know one thing. You're going to go home. You're going to go to work. You're going to go to school. You're going to go to the store. That's all a part of mission. Why? Because here's the point. When you leave today, write this down and come back ready each week. Because this is the main point of the whole series. Life is is mission can we say that together life is mission now say it like you mean it life is mission and here's the good news we get to be a part of it amen in conclusion I love this quote of William Temple The Christian church is the one organization in the world that exists purely for the benefit of non-members. May that be said of us. As we come to communion, this is a table that Jesus set for you and for me. And as we come to the table, we have a a fresh encounter with him, and an invitation from him this morning to a renewed commitment, sense of purpose, and vision as an individual, as a church, to mission, to come to the table and encounter Christ in the fulfillment of his mission, and in that find our own.